Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Wondering where to start? Do you have questions about mortgage and real estate and need honest, accurate answers? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Educated Home Buyer with expert real estate broker, Jeb Smith, and certified mortgage consultant, Josh Lewis, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Welcome back to The Educated Home Buyer, where our goal is to help you buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. So Josh, you and I have talked about the changing market and, you know, how buyers can take advantage of this, you know, shift, if you will, in a couple of different ways. Now, one thing we haven't really talked about is the idea of having the seller do some sort of buy down. And I'm going to have you elaborate on what that means here in just a minute. But essentially what we're doing with this episode is to help you be a little bit more aggressive as a buyer uh, you know, in this shifting market and which, you know, we'll talk about which properties you might be able to take advantage of on something like this and which properties you may not, you know, it's gone. It's definitely going to depend on the market that you're in, the type of property that you're looking at the, you know, the specifics of, of how you make your offer. But Josh, one of the things we've been talking about a lot lately are these buy downs. So maybe you know, start by talking what is a buy down, and then we can talk about how we would use it in this market. So there, there's two different buy downs, uh, two different types of buy downs, and we're going to go through both of them. One is a permanent buy down. So it's it's lesser in terms of how much the rate, the interest rate is getting bought down on the mortgage, but it's permanent. It never goes away. So it's a smaller savings, but over the entire life of the loan. We're also going to talk about another type of buy down that is temporary. So for the first one, two, three years of the loan, you get a bigger savings. But over the life of the loan, um, by year two, the end of year two, the end of year three, you're paying what you normally would in terms of the note rate. And both of these have their time and their place and their different advantages. The big one that you and I are seeing um, people look at more now is the, the permanent buy down and paid for by the seller. You know, in the last episode, we had talked about seller credits. So for the better part of 2020 and 2021, we didn't see any deals with seller credits. The, the, the market was so in favor of sellers, so little inventory, so much demand for the homes that were available that sellers weren't ever having to give credits. To the contrary, they were taking away your contingencies, your appraisal, your inspection period, shortening escrows. And now, uh, again, with a, a normalizing, more balanced market, um, you, know, you and I talked before the show here, there's still a, a portion of the market, the really nice homes, really updated homes that sellers aren't having to pay anything. And then there's homes that uh, are distressed on the lower end of the market, need, uh, need work to be brought up. And you may have more room to negotiate on those. And, and what we're really talking about is the ones here in the middle where they're not flying off the shelves. Sellers are getting a little bit realistic and saying, uh, maybe we need to offer a little help, but also it's still enough in demand that they're not going to give up the house. So that's the, the area where these permanent buy downs seller paid can become really beneficial. Well, Josh, let me, let me interject real quick. So if you're listening and you want, why would a seller offer me money? Why would they do this in this market? Well, let's let's talk about that for a moment here before you dive into it. You kind of hinted on it a little bit, but what we've seen is rates go up, right? So it started the year, I think we were sitting around 3.4%. We saw as high as about six and a quarter percent for many well-qualified buyers out there. So the cost of your mortgage 
increased about 40 to 45% because of that rise in monthly payment and, and home prices continuing to rise. Since then, we've seen inventory build, demand has slowed a little bit. So homes are sitting on the market longer. Many markets out there, we've seen the days on market increase considerably. And, and when I say considerably, you know, we were for the better part of the last two years, homes were selling on average under 10 days. And, you know, in a more normal market, we see houses on the market 90, 100 days. I mean, that's not, you know, completely unheard of, even in a, a more balanced market. And so as we see those days on the market increase, sellers start to get anxious, you know, and, and want to sell their property. And so, you know, by introducing something like this, it it benefits both the buyer and the seller. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute, Josh. Absolutely. And and going through, you know, we'll we'll relate back to episode number seven. If you want to understand how mortgage discount points work, this is essentially what it is. The seller is agreeing to pay points for you and you use that to buy down to a, a lower rate. So the short recap, people always ask, well, why, why would a lender do that? Why would they accept a lower interest rate? Well, they're getting paid a chunk of money up front. In essence, they're getting some of their interest ahead of time. So rather than saying, we're going to get five and a half percent interest over the next 30 years, we'll take 5%. But that difference of what we would give up, um, we're going to take as an upfront payment. So in this instance, we're asking the seller to give you uh, a, a lump sum discount points to buy down your interest rate for the life of the loan. In essence, really what it is is a time machine back a couple months in time when interest rates and payments were lower so that you can afford more. So probably the best example, Jeb, that you and I go through on this um, for most people around the country, it's a number that, that most people can relate to. Maybe it's a little high in your area, maybe it's a little bit low. If you're buying a home and you're getting a $500,000 loan, if you were to get two points from the seller, 2% of the loan amount costs $10,000. It's going to lower your payment just over $150 a month. Now, a lot of people, when they initially look at, at wanting to get something from the seller, they go and say, I want a lower price. So if we just wanted to cut the price, instead of asking the seller for $10,000, if we wanted to lower your monthly payment $150, we would have to ask them for $30,000. So in essence, you're getting a three for one leverage on lowering the payment. Um, so this works very well in, in that mid range where the homes are still desirable. They're going to sell. You, you don't have a distressed seller that's like, hey, I'll give you the 30, 40, $50,000 price cut. They're saying, I'll help, but I've got other options. I have other buyers willing to do this. So by getting the funds from the seller and buying the interest rate down, it goes much further towards lowering your payment than uh, an equivalent price cut. Again, in this situation, if we just did a $10,000 price cut, it's gonna save you $50 a month. Um, now, Jeb, there is, there is a, a benefit to getting in a pure price cut and that comes and it depends on what you expect and think interest rates to do in the future. In the last 40 years, we've been in a, in a downtrend, almost a permanent downtrend in interest rates. They would go up in the short term, but in the long run, they were going to come down. So you always had the idea or the option to refinance to a lower interest rate, where we get this idea of what is it, did Jeb marry the house and, and date the rate? Well, you don't have to have the rate permanently, but the price is going to be there permanently. So some people may say, hey, if the seller is willing to pay 10 grand, I'd rather lower the price 10 grand 
and hope to refinance at some point in the future versus locking in this $150 lower monthly payment. Because as soon as you pay those discount points, those are sunk costs. You can't get those back um, on, on a permanent buy down. No, and that's and and also you have to take into account when you lower the price, your property taxes. There are things that are you know that go down when 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 lowering that price. But Josh, I can tell you from nearly twenty years in this business, you twenty five plus, that people are more interested in their monthly payment than they are the price of the property. If I tell you that you can buy a million dollar house, but it's only going to cost you two grand a month, do you care that the house? is a million dollars or do you just care that you can make that $2,000 payment or whatever it is per month in order to afford that house? You don't care about the price. You care, can I, you know, is this house suitable for me? Can I afford to, to make that payment? Now, not a right or wrong way. I mean, I'd, I'd rather have a lower price house at a slightly higher rate, but you know, it, to each his own, um, you know, it's, but you know, these strategies and, and knowing the the mindset and how buyers buy they're going to look at the monthly payment so josh what's the benefit to a seller in this case right so the seller is giving 10 grand if you will um and lowering the price so how does the seller benefit in the same scenario well uh, again this would only happen in a home that's been on the market a period of time has it been there 45 days 60 days because the market is telling them that either it's going to take longer to sell um, and we're just getting it uh, taken care of now, or that price is going to have to come down. So again, looking at that, that alternative, do you want to lower the price $25,000 or do you want to give a concession of $10,000? A seller for the most part is looking at their net, meaning what's going to get wired into my bank account at closing. For the most part, this is a strategy to keep more of your equity by not reducing the price, yet still enable the the buyer to to get a benefit. You know, we talk about this. It's almost um, a form of arbitration or mediation, a compromise, a win-win. Um, so that's why it's going to be most common in those in-between homes that are not, um, you, you know, they're they're going to sell. They don't have to take a huge price cut, but they're taking a little bit longer to move, you know, the trophy properties are still going to get their top price. You're not going to get any concession. The stuff on the bottom of the market, those people are going to cut price and probably give you seller concessions to do some of this stuff. It's really for those homes in the middle where we're trying to find a good compromise that enables the buyer to get in at a manageable payment and the seller to not have to cut the, the price or give up any more of a concession than is needed. Yeah. I mean, properties are sitting on the market a little bit longer. I'm having, as a real estate agent, I would say more difficult conversations with sellers as to why, you know, their homes aren't selling for the better part of two years. You know, sellers were told that they could price their homes at whatever they wanted. And many times they got their price. And so it, it's, it's created this um, conundrum, if you will, within the market that sellers still have some of that mindset out there, although the market has shifted a little bit. And so many of these sellers are pricing high and having to do price cuts. And so, you know, the seller wants the most amount of money for the property. The buyer wants the lowest monthly payment and sometimes the, the lowest price, um, if you will. And so, you know, you've got to figure out a way to, like Josh said, have some sort of win-win. So, Josh, I ask you this question. If a buyer is considering um, doing something like this or interested in doing something this like this, is this a conversation that they are having with, you know, a mortgage broker or someone in the initial pre-approval process? I mean, is it always $10,000 gets me, 
you know, X amount per month, or does that change? Like, when does this conversation need to happen with the with the mortgage professional? And when does the conversation need to happen with the agent? Because the agent is also kind of involved in this process in helping negotiate. So let, let's think about it, Jeb. Um, most likely, it's going to come from the lender. The lender's going to say, hey, um, here's an idea. You found this property. We're putting in an offer. They came back. They didn't accept your offer. Um, here's a strategy that we can employ. But also, you and I have gone through this many times. So you're comfortable as an agent. You're aware of this strategy. You may give me a call and say, hey, Josh, we're in a situation with some counter offers. We're having a hard time arriving at something that's a win-win and works for everyone. Is this a situation where maybe the buy-down would work? Let's talk to the buyers and show them on paper what that looks like. So it really is another place where it needs to be collaborative, where your agent and your lender are working together to find a solution to help you get into the home uh, at, at numbers that make sense for you. No, and that's where I'm going to do a little plug here. If you need a lender that understands, you know, buy downs, you need a realtor that understands buy downs, yours doesn't, or you're not sure if they do. There's a link in the description of this uh, audio, the podcast here that'll get you in touch with an expert that understands this can guide you through the process. There's a lot of agents out there, honestly, that are old school. And, and I wouldn't say this isn't, this is a completely new school tactic because it's been around but it's just been less used over the last two years. So unless you're changing and shifting with the market, your mindset might be from six months ago, eight months ago, and just saying, well, you know, there's nothing we can do. They're, they're not willing to negotiate. Well, you need somebody that that has that mindset. So that link will get you there. Now, Josh, earlier in the, 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 the podcast, you mentioned uh, a temporary buy-down as well. So the buy-down that you mentioned a moment ago is permanent, right? They're buying down the rate. So every single month, your payment is X. It, that's not going to change. What is a temporary buy-down and how does that work? So temporary buy-downs, it's funny. When I got in the business in late 95, early 96, these were just on the rate sheet. You would see a little section that says 2-1 buy-down, 3-2 buy-down, whatever that is. Um, and for the last four or five years, they're not even on rate sheets. And there's a reason for that. We can talk about it. It's, it's probably a little inside baseball. But what it is, is for one, two, or three years, you're getting a, a lower interest rate. So when I say one, two, or three years, it's it's using that um, the, the funds up front from the seller or from you or from the lender by taking a higher rate over the long run to buy that rate down in the short run. So let's look at the most common is probably a two, one buy down. So the two means that for the first year, you're 2% below your note rate. And then for the second year, you're 1% below your note rate. So what does that do? Obviously it makes the payment a ton lower. We talked about two points, getting you a half percent lower kind of as your rule of thumb in the permanent buy down. Well, now we're talking four X that. So 2% lower in the first year and then 1% lower in the second year. So the math is not quite this simple, but um, it boils down to something like this, that 2% plus the 1% is 3% or three points that we would need. And what happens is the lender takes that money up front, whoever pays it, whether it's you, the seller, or a, a lender credit in terms of a, a rebate, 
they're going to take that and put it in an impound account, just like for your taxes or your insurance, and they're going to subsidize the shortage in your payment every month. So we can also do a 3-2-1 where it's 3% for a year, 2% for a year, 1% a year, but that's going to cost 6%. And we can also do a 1-0 buy down. A lot of builders are really um, keen on this because it only costs them one point, but it gets you a percent lower for the year and sort of makes you feel better and more comfortable with that payment is going to be when you're when you're on your way in. So uh, it, it's a different cost structure. It costs a similar amount uh, in the upfront. And, and in essence, what you're doing is you're subsidizing the payment with a credit from somewhere. So probably let's look at, um, we can absolutely get it paid for by the seller. We can ask in the right situation to get that. Um, the most common way of paying it uh, in the past, uh, because a buyer is unlikely to pay it themselves. If they had 3% upfront, there's other things they would be doing with that. The most common way is to raise the long-term interest rate. Let's take an example of, this is a little bit high today, but it makes it simple. If an FHA loan was at 5% today and we needed three points to cover a 2-1 buy-down, you would take a 5.75 rate and the lender would pay roughly 3% and put that in the impound account. So your long-term rate, your note rate on the loan is 5.75%, but your first year is going to be 3.75%. So for 12 months, you're paying as though your rate was 3.75. Then for 12 months, you're paying as though it's 4.75. Then it goes to the permanent long-term interest rate. So the, the biggest thing with the temporary buy-downs versus a permanent buy-down is you're still going to qualify at your note rate. So if your debt-to-income ratio is too high, the temporary buy-down is not going to help you bring that down. It's going to help you make the monthly payment for the first one, two, three years, but it's not going to help you in terms of qualifying. The permanent buy-down, on the other hand, it will help you because that's the rate for the life of the loan. We can qualify you at whatever rate it's been bought down to. So Josh, what, for, for those out there listening, what is the, like, why would I choose a permanent versus why would I ever consider a temporary buy-down, right? I mean, if I can get a permanent buy-down and my rate is, you know, a full half percent lower or whatever that amount is versus, you know, this teaser, if you will, why would I consider that? Let's look at it this way. If you believe that rates are permanently elevated, you know, meaning that although rates are not tremendously high, they're high relative to where they were the last two years. If you think rates are going to remain elevated, the permanent buy down is a much better solution for you. If you think this is temporary, then that temporary buy down is great because it gives you basically 24, 36 months to realize a decrease in interest rates and refinance to a lower permanent rate. So let's say you're at 5.75 in that FHA example on your long-term note rate, but the first year's at 3.75. Let's say this time next year, the rate's four and an eighth. You can refinance that to four and an eighth and with the temporary buy-down funds, because like I said, the buy-down money goes to a, an escrow impound account. If in that instance, we used a lender credit to pay it, that's your money. It's sitting in that impound account. You'll get those funds back. We talked about on the permanent buy-down, once we buy that rate now, and it's a sunk cost. So if you come back next year, rates drop, and you could go from 5 to 4%, you're never getting the two points back that you paid. So largely, it comes down to 
how big of a discount do you need on the monthly payment and for how long and what do you think are the direction of long-term interest rates? And we talk about this all the time. You and I don't have a crystal ball. No buyer has a crystal ball, but you just have to go with what your comfort level is. On the 2-1 buy down, a lot of times it's used for people, um, let's say newlyweds, um, just got married um, and, and both, uh, both spouses have just been on their job a brief period of time and they just spend a bunch of money on the wedding. Well, they figure, hey, in 12 months, we're both gonna get a little bit of a promotion. The wedding expenses are behind us. We could handle that payment going up a little. That's another bit of the thought that was used traditionally when people were thinking of a temporary buy-down and eases you into home ownership at a lower payment. And even if we never have a chance to refinance, um, it's just a, a little bit better transition there. So uh, again, you, you can see, Jeb, you hit the nail on the head. You need to be working with a mortgage advisor, not someone that's a salesperson that's trying to sell you something because there's not a right answer. There's not a black or white. It's what are the pros and cons of each of these and which or either are these a better option to you versus what current market interest rates are. You know, and one thing we talk about, Josh, and this is maybe a little off topic, but, you know, your, your, your common saying is the numbers never lie, right? So oftentimes when a mortgage professional or an expert is giving you a pre-approval, they're giving you maybe one option, two options at most, right? They might be giving you a 30-year fixed and they might be giving you an arm or they may be giving you a, an FHA and comparing it to a conventional and that's essentially what they're giving you. You, I mean, if this is something you're interested in, you need somebody to give you the numbers, right? Give me a 30-year fixed today. Give me, you know, numbers based on some sort of buy-down, 2-1 buy-down. Maybe give me some, you know, an arm. What does an arm look like today? Now, if you're not familiar with arms, there's an episode out there. I don't know the, the episode number on it, but where we talk about arms, I'll get it here for you in just a minute. But it's it's comparing this stuff. I mean, that is how you become the educated home buyer, right? Is knowing your options, looking at them on paper and deciding which one's the best for you. Absolutely. It's it's episode 12, Jeb. So anyone watching, if you want to go back to episode 12 and learn more about arms, and you're 100% correct, because let's say 30-year fix to a, a seven-year arm, you're probably going to get that same half percentage savings there um, in, in most cases. So these are all of the options and strategies that you want to consider. At the end of the day, most people are still sticking with the 30-year fix. They're not doing a buy-down but you want to know all of your options um, just so you're making the best, most informed decisions for you and your family. No, absolutely. And so what we're going to do here is, you know, this has brought up some additional questions that I think some home buyers have when going through the process. You know, we get a lot of, of the same questions over and over again when home buyers are talking about getting pre-approved or buying a home. So what we're going to do is next episode, we're going to go through these commonly asked questions, uh, you know, to help guide you through that process, kind of condense them all into one episode. If you will, we're going to talk about, you know, income, we're going to talk about credit scores, we're going to talk about employment, and how that affects your ability to qualify um, for a mortgage. So do us a favor, check out that episode. In the meantime, we would appreciate if you rate and review us. If you need that lender, check out the link in the description below. Thanks for listening to the educated home buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.